Welcome to There is a Method to the Madness. My name is Rob Maxwell and I'm an exercise physiologist and personal trainer. I'm the owner of Maxwell's Fitness Programs and I've been in business since 1994. Today is Monday, April 3rd. Time is flying by. I want to thank Jonathan and Lynn Gilden of the Gilden Group at Realty Pros. They currently have over 275 star reviews on Zillow. And last I checked, that is pretty darn good. If you are looking to sell your home or looking for something new, give them a shout. Their information will be in today's show notes. All right, so I want to give you just like a little education on terminology today. It came up in a question regarding different uh, terms that maybe people in the fitness world think are common sense, but you know, I don't think so. I would I would venture to guess that most people get it wrong when they're actually using the terms that they use. And it's the terms of a non-impact, low impact, and high impact cardiorespiratory activities or aerobic activities. Activities. All right. So let's give you the basic definitions and then just kind of go through what they are and what's important about them and maybe what you should do, the pros and cons of each. All right. First, let's start with non impact cardio. So, what this is referring to is impact of the foot onto the ground. So, Non-impact activity means that there is no impact whatsoever. So it's what we also call a open chain exercise, meaning your heel is never in contact with the floor or the ground. So that is what non-impact activities are. The most obvious and most famous is swimming and cycling. Those are considered non-impact activities, all right? Now, maybe cycling isn't as obvious because this is one of the ones I hear just get confused with the actual proper definition, right? So a lot of people say, well, that is a low-impact activity. And the thinking is that maybe there is more impact on the knee or ankle joint than there would be if you were swimming where you are basically going through the water and nothing is ever hitting the ground or anything, right? But that's not what the definition of impact means. The the definition doesn't mean any stress that it might apply to the knee joint or ankle joint in that case, but to the actual impact of the foot hitting the ground. And when you're biking, the foot does not hit the ground the foot actually hits the pedal one way or the other, whether it be directly to the pedal or if you're wearing bike shoes clipped into your pedal, the foot is hitting the pedal. So that is considered non-impact activity, not low impact. And swimming, of course, is non-impact activity. All right. So right there, if you're thinking two of the big three, And there's more, right? There's a lot more with aerobic exercise. I'm just sticking to the the biggies, right? So two of the big three, as far as let's say triathlon goes, two of the big three are actually non-impact activity. 
And again, I will go over like pros and cons and what that really means. I'm just trying to keep it to definition. Now I'm going to go to the polar opposite of that, which is high impact activity. All right. So high impact activity is, is defined as both feet are off the ground for at least a second or a brief period of time. All right. Both feet are actually non impacted to the ground for a short period of time. So that is where running is a high impact activity because with running, there is actually an elevation point, even if you don't realize it. A lot of people think running and walking are like exact same gait patterns, but they're really not. They're similar because it's a bipedal motion. We are moving forward, ambulating, using our legs, but it's not really that similar of a gait pattern. It's similar maybe by look, but it really isn't, all right? So running is actually considered high impact, not because you are moving your hips faster, which you are. You're absolutely moving your femur through the range of motion faster than when you're walking, but it's the elevation point where both feet are actually off the ground for a split second. That's what makes running high impact. Jogging is high impact. Now, jogging is similar to running. It's just slower, but it's the same thing as far as an elevation point. So another high impact activity would be jumping. So if you did like say jump rope or jumping jacks for your cardiorespiratory activity, that would also be considered high impact. All right. And by the way, I'm not trying to elude to the fact that running and jumping are bad for you. They're just considered high impact. And that's kind of what I want to cover in the last part of this is what this really means. Now, did I save the best for last? I think so, just because it's so unique. The only true bipedal exercise that is low impact is walking. Isn't that pretty cool? Like everybody says, you know, we'll do low impact activities and you're, you know, I don't know if you hear that and you don't know much about exercise or definitions or terms, you'd go, oh, there must be like 10 or 20 things I can choose. Well, the reality is the only low impact exercise by definition is walking, right? Because high impact is running, jogging, jumping. Non-impact is swimming and cycling and anything where your foot is attached, never leaving the ground. So technically an elliptical trainer is also considered a uh, non-impact event. So walking is really the only low impact activity. Isn't that, I don't know. I think that's pretty cool. It's like, because you hear it all the time. Oh, low impact, low impact. Let me do the elliptical. It's low impact. No, it's non-impact. Oh, let me do spin class. It's low impact. No, it's non-impact. So I know this is really just kind of like, you know, um, fussing over words, but I do like people to understand proper terminology. That way, when they read things, they can read them more with how the article might be intended to be written. And, um, you know, low impact is technically a lot better than non-impact for somebody who has osteopenia, who's trying to actually repair and grow some bone density. Then they don't want non-impact activities because studies have shown that stressing the joints and the bones will actually at least halt the osteopenia from going to osteoporosis. 
The evidence isn't great on reversing it, but the evidence is pretty darn good on stopping it. And that's going to happen with low impact activity or even high impact activity. It's not going to happen with non-impact activity. All right. And so that's what I want to finish up as. We have to be careful. Did I just say finish up as? That's how I want to finish this up is talking about we have to be careful about always thinking maybe non is best because it has the least impact. Non-impact activities are not always best. We want non-impact activities when we're healing something, say like a meniscus tear, and we've been told by our physician or sports medicine person that we don't want to have any impact on the joint while it's healing, and so then non-impact would be chosen, say cycling and swimming for that area. But if we have bone density issues, or if we don't, but we're prone to it because of our makeup or whatever, then we're going to want low impact activities to actually build bone density, or like I said, even high impact activities. All right, so all of them have benefit. And we have to be careful to always assume that high impact activities are, quote, bad. I mean, that's really not true. The studies have shown that actually running doesn't cause more osteoarthritis later on in your life, that what causes more osteoarthritis later on in life is prior injuries and some genetic components and some absolute sedentary lifestyle. So it's really not true when we hear that, all right? So we got to be careful that we really look at the research as to what's involved with that and understand that both high impact has a place in your fitness life most likely. If it doesn't because you simply don't like the run and jump or whatever, that's fine. Then low impact activities of power walking or walking are great and non-impact activities of cycling and swimming and elliptical trainers and things of that nature are great too. So all three of those categories can be great and they all serve different purposes. I love to cycle. That's probably my favorite. I do like to swim, although getting to the pool often is uh, just not convenient for me. So I do not swim very often. I love to power walk and I do love to walk and I do like to run a little bit. So I like to go through the full spectrum of all of it. And really, you should too. It should come down to what do you really want to do? And do you have a reason to not do a high-impact activity? And hopefully that's not forever. For example, I was just speaking with a good client of mine who I've known forever and trained her, and she's great, and she's fit. And she has both of her hips replaced, and she does the high-impact activity of tennis because in tennis there's a lot of running. And she's absolutely fine with that. So, you know, what do you love to do? And then can you go through the spectrum of categories? All right. So that's what they mean. A little bit of method to the madness, a little bit of education. And uh, hopefully you learn something. All right. And I know I kind of get geeked out how it's just a low impact activity is walking. I just find it so funny because so many people think there's a million and one categories for it. But when you really look at the true definition, there's one. And it's great. All right. 
Thank you, chiropractic physician, Dr. Doris Antos, who's another one of our great sponsors. She is located in Ormond Beach on Granada Boulevard, and she and her partner are taking new patients. Give her a shout. All of her information will be in the show notes. Until next time, be max fit and be max well.